Blog Talk Radio. I'm trying this side. My hair. <laughs> <laughs> I look balder on that side, but the only just to be honest, to be honest, I'm about it is my hair. It's still be bald on that side. I know it's definitely bald no matter what I do, but. I, I, I've got like a I've got like a spot right here where it don't grow and it just I don't know it bothers me. Anyway, it it won't be in Robert's way that way. Yeah, that's what I do. I just fart it under here, go around my ears. You never know the difference. There we go. I don't want none. I don't want none. I'm glad. I hair today gone tomorrow. I'm glad it's gone. Be honest with you. Buy me buy me one of them head blades with the four heads on it. Where I can just Feel it off. <laughs> they don't last very long. Are the are the hair in a can where you shake it on? We're on we're on camera with all this, but over here. <laughs> oh, I haven't gone live, but we're on. They're listening to us on blog talk. Like what a what a bunch of crazies at that church. <laughs> well, let's stand together and let's take out a songbook and turn to number three. Let's sing Amazing Grace tonight. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I Answers on that. Um, Diane is not doing well. And um, also my niece. 
seemed like there was something on my heart that I wanted to mention, but I can't think of what it is at the moment. I do want to praise God. Uh, I saw that uh, that Emmett Stranger got baptized, and, uh, and just praise God. I said something Sunday, doesn't I? But praise God for his salvation. Amen. I just thank God for that little fella. Amen. Since we, I met him when we started over here. Praise God for him, and praise God for his commitment to Christ. Amen. Uh, Mr. Landry, Sherman is at pre-op. He's going to get an eye surgery next month. Okay. All right. The pills she go in. Nothing to it. Huh? Nothing to it. Can you play the piano with one eye? Can you play the piano with one eye? I don't know. He's still putting his hair on. I'm going to have to wear a patch with my patch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what might do? We'll figure it out. All right. All right. I, 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 got, I, I know I got a prayer request on my heart. I had one, and it slipped my mind for some reason. But, you know, we got a good God who knows what's on our heart, and we can't remember it. Amen. I tell you, y'all pray for me. I'm struggling to remember stuff. We was talking about that on the way over here. We just... It seemed like here lately, stuff just hard to, it just it seemed like slipping my mind right and left, so pray for me. <laughs> I know it does, but it sure get, it, it getting hard, getting difficult right now, so, but, uh, but pray for us, and, um, pray for, um, pray for my sister, pray for our family, um, and pray for my daddy-in-law, because like I said, he, he was up on the ladder working on the light above his head, and, and kind of got dizzy and turned around and just fell backwards off the ladder, so. And like I said, he hit his elbow on the concrete floor and hurt his back, too. So y'all y'all please pray for him as well. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us. Robert, lead us in prayer tonight. Okay. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Everybody in here, I don't have to remind you, but uh, anybody that list, that's listening that, uh, from our church who hasn't made plans to be here November the 15th on that Wednesday night and eat supper with us, plan to be here. All right? Like you said, you're going to try your best to be here that night. All right. Good deal. All right. Anybody else that's watching that hadn't play, made plans, let me know if you're coming because we need to we need to plan for you. All right? 223, draw me nearer. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it's all thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith, closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. 
standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior and my all in all. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, amen. I am, that's for sure, praise God, I hope you are too, 281, 281. We've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the sea and cross the waves. Onward is our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Pass it on the rolling tide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell the sinners far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing the islands of the sea. Echo back the ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The battle strike. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Singing softly through the blue. When the heart for mercy craves, singing triumph for the truth, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the wind a mighty voice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Amen. <coughs> Praise God. Ain't God good? Amen. He sure is. Amen. Proverbs tonight, chapter 20. We're going to cover eight verses tonight. We've never covered eight. I think we can do it. It's about the same amount of material. So I think we'll be all right tonight. I don't want to scare you with one extra. I don't think it'll scare you. I think we've covered enough. Y'all know by now. Don't get scared on it. Proverbs chapter 20. Amen. Hopefully. And we're going to be looking tonight at verses 15 through verse 22. 15 through verse 22. So 
let's just go ahead. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll ask God to meet with us. We'll ask God to speak to us, and we'll dig right on in. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your love. Lord, I'm most thankful tonight for your mercy and grace. Because, Lord, I need both tonight. I pray, Father, you give me your power. I pray, Father, your hand will rest on me tonight. Lord, you'd guide me, guide my thoughts, guide my words, guide everything about me. Lord, may I honor and glorify Jesus tonight. Lord, I'm not looking to try to get any credit from anything. I just want to honor you. I want to help your people bring these truths out in the open that we might all partake of them. And, Lord, use them for your glory. Use them to be profitable. Use them, Lord, to be a witness. Use them, Lord, to be a wise counsel for someone else. Help us tonight. Feed us from the Word of God, Lord, that we might, again, we might be a storehouse of wisdom for somebody who's struggling, somebody who doesn't know what your will is. Father, please give us discernment and help us tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask you to guide. We ask you to forgive our sins. Cleanse us now and fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Praise God. Chapter 20, verse 15, it says, There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Now, this will not be indicative of our whole study tonight. This is going to be very quick, okay? But he starts off by saying there is gold and a multitude of rubies. So, okay, big deal, Solomon. He wants you to picture it, Okay. He don't want you to just read it and go, okay, what, what about that? He wants you to think about there being a, a pile of gold sitting in front of you and a whole, somebody poured out a bucket of rubies in the middle of it. If you walk, if Brother Byron walked in the office tonight and somebody had poured it out in the middle of the floor, it would take his breath away. He'd go, what in the world? Right? If you go home tonight, open your front door, and in the middle of your foyer, there sits a pile of gold and rubies, it's going to take your breath away. And Solomon wants you to acknowledge that before we go a step further, okay? So he wants you to picture something tonight that you'd go, oh, my goodness, where did this come from? And appreciate the beauty of it, okay? He wants us to be impressed at the value. Then he goes on in the second half of that verse to say, but, like, I know you saw that, and I know you were, I know you were impressed with that, but, the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel, okay? He wants us to compare the beauty of jewelry, of, of jewels and gold, the worth, the value of, of jewels and gold to, to someone who's speaking wise words. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I know when you're in the middle of, uh, uh, you're in, when, you're, when you're not in need of those those wise words, you say, oh, well, whatever. You know, and you can brush off somebody giving you some advice if you don't need it. But let's be honest. If you're in dire need of what to do, you don't know what to do. And somebody comes to you with the answer and solves your problem when you're in a fix where you don't know what to do, where to turn right or left, up or down, backwards or forwards, and, you, and, and everything in your life has come to a standstill, and somebody gives you some wisdom to start your life back in the right direction, that's worth as much to use a pile of gold and rubies at the moment. Amen? And thank God for a God who's merciful, who when we call out to him and say, God, I don't know what to do. God is the kind of God, he's not going to leave you stranded. 
God will, when we cry out to him, God will send somebody with some words of wisdom to help us along. Amen. I was on the phone with somebody just just the other day. Actually, it was I yesterday the day before. I ain't going to tell you it was. ain't nobody's business. But, but I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's making a decision about the ministry. Okay? And and afraid that I'm, I'm going to make the wrong decision and... He's like, if I, if I'm afraid I'm gonna mess up and 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 mess up, mess up not only where I'm at, but where where the other place is looking at me. And so it was, he's in between two churches. And uh, he said, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I said, Well, I got some advice for you. I said, Let me ask you this: If if you, I give him an illustration, a radio playing, yeah, hearing radios and stuff in there. All right. Y'all turn your phones off. I solved all that. All right. all right, here we go. So so what I'm trying to say is he's telling me this. He was saying, he said, you know, he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, if you were driving, let's picture for a minute, you were driving a hot shot rig. Y'all know what a hot shot rig is, right? That's a trailer and like a one-ton pickup truck, and they just they take loads here, there, and yonder. Okay? I said, if you was driving a man's hot shot rig for him, and, and he knows where you're going, he knows what you're supposed to pick up and what time you're supposed to be back, I said, and somewhere along the way, you break down. Do you think that if you sit there that the help will never come? I said, let's imagine your phone quit working. Okay? You can't get in touch with him. I said, do you think that if you don't show up where you're supposed to be, that he'll never come looking for you? I said, no. I said, the best thing for you to do is stay put. Help will be on its way. And the best thing for you to do is, is to start praying, right? I said, you know, that's the way God is. God ain't going to leave. You're his. You, he bought you. He paid for you. He's, he's going to give you wisdom. You don't know what to do. I'm in a mess, Lord. I don't know. I've come. I bought myself in. I, 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 I'm back myself in the corner, Lord. What do I do now? God says, just, just, just hold still. I'll send somebody. And them lips of knowledge, man, they'll be like a precious jewel to you when you hear the right answer. But that's just, I mean, we got to remember that God ain't going to leave us stranded. I know, I mean, maybe that ain't the 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 the, the, the main thrust of this verse, but it, it ties in with what I, what I was uh, experiencing just yesterday, and it just it makes all the sense in the world to me that, again, we need to wait on God to lead us and not just, and not, look here, you can take that whole gold and jewel and rubies or whatever and say, well, well that looks like a good idea. But you can have, listen. The Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not in thine own understanding. And you know, a lot of times this world's wisdom looks good, kind of like the gold and rubies. But God wants us to wait and listen to godly wisdom, and not go after something that just looks good and sounds good but ain't right. Amen. Let's move on. Verse sixteen. Um, it says, "Take his garment that is surety for a stranger." And take a pledge of him for a strange woman. I swear we've run across this verse already. But uh, I think it was back in chapter 4, I remember, something like this about being surety. That's what it was, about being surety for a stranger. But it says, take his garment that is surety for a stranger. 22. I'm going to turn over real quick. I, I meant to jot this down, but I didn't. Exodus chapter 22, verse 26 and 27. Exodus 22, verse 26 and 27. 
All right, this is talking about an Israelite taking somebody's outer garment as a deposit. All right? All right, so take his garment that is surety for a stranger. Exodus 22:26. It says, if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment, that means his coat, to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. So if you take his coat as a deposit for something, you've got to give it to him before it gets dark. For that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. That's his covering for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? And it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. So again, you could take if you could take somebody's outer garment as a deposit or a guarantee on a loan. If you loan the money, you say, hey, you know, they say, hey, I need some money to get something to eat today. You say, hey, give me your coat. I know you come back and pay me back. Because again, it's gonna get cold tonight, so give me your coat. And so that's what he would do. So, so anyway, Solomon's advice here is that if you loan to somebody who's already agreed to be surety for a stranger, so somebody's going to guarantee a stranger's loan, somebody they've never met, hey, loan me some money. They say, oh, sure, sure, you'll pay me back, right? Yeah, you'll pay me back. So, well, you better be sure you get the coat because you're going to be in trouble if you don't. Uh, so, and I mean, and, and anybody that's foolish enough to loan money to a stranger ought to be regarded as a credit risk, and I wouldn't loan them money because they're going to be up to their eyeballs in debt. So anyway, God just don't want us getting ourselves in a bunch of a mess of the debt, okay? And, and and people should be held to their obligation. You shouldn't just let people run over you. And this proverb teaches that a person who foolishly becomes responsible for another person's debt ought to be made to keep their word, amen? Taking the garment away is a way of holding somebody responsible. They say, I'm going to pay you back. Well, this is the, make, the way I make sure that you're going to pay me back. So, again, there's nothing wrong with that, amen? And the Bible says, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. Now, we know what a strange woman is, right? It's, it, 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 we, we have said it this way before. It's anybody that's not your wife, okay? She's a stranger to you. She's not. You're not familiar with her, as in the term of being familiar. Uh, you know, so she's a stranger to you. But the idea here seems to it seems to focus on somebody outside the community of faith. You know, like that would be uh, some somebody that we didn't know, somebody from the outside, uh, a strange woman. Uh, I, I, I can tell you the way I thought about it. My mama would refer to her as some old gal. You know, he brought some old gal around here. We don't know who she is. She's just some old gal. Ain't nobody ever heard of her. She's kind of a floozy, you know, just some old gal, you know. And that, and that's what he's saying. You know, uh, you ought to demand more security from somebody who, who, whose ways and whose history you're unfamiliar with. You don't know somebody. You can't trust them. They'll take advantage of you. So this, this proverb emphasizes the stupidity of risking somebody, risking your life uh, to to uh, to be security for somebody that you don't even know and don't trust. So God is saying, don't be dumb. Don't do. Don't fall into that trap of feeling like you got to help everybody, because people will take advantage of you, and you soon you won't have anything. And you say, well, I tried to help everybody. Well, God is saying, have a little wisdom, and don't just let people take you to the cleaners. All right, bread of deceit, verse verse seventeen. Uh, again, this whole chapter is on conduct. It's how we conduct ourselves. It's all about things that we do or shouldn't do. It says, bread of deceit is sweet to a man, 
but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Okay, that sounds lovely, don't it? All right, bread of deceit is sweet to a man. This is a true fact if there ever was one. Sin is sweet to the man who's looking at committing sin. If you're thinking about doing it, it, it sounds sweet to you, or you wouldn't even be thinking about it, right? And and there's something about getting caught up in rebellion that can make the bread you stole even sweeter. <laughs> you know, you got what you, you you went through the grocery store, you stuck food in your coat, you got home, now you make a sandwich. I didn't even pay for this. <laughs> this is great. I didn't even have to pay for it. Yeah, I got away with it. To the to the rebellious person. They say, man, this is wonderful. I, I, I stole it. Nobody noticed. I ain't had to pay for it, you know. So it's sweeter. It, you know, it, it satisfied your desire to rebel. It satisfied your desire for adventure and your love for the forbidden. So it's sweet to you. But you know the thing about it is, it don't stay sweet. You know, I feel pretty sure that when Eve handed Adam that fruit off that tree in the garden that day, and he took a bite of it, I bet it tasted awesome. I can't imagine that it that it wasn't. It was probably one of the best things he'd ever put in his mouth. Probably smelled with a scent that just captivated him, you know. Again, he wouldn't have ate it if it looked awful, you know. It looked like some kind of dried up persimmon or something. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know. Persimmons ain't never appealed to me. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, but it wasn't very sweet after he bit into it, was it? It was bittersweet, wasn't it? Think about think about Esau when he come in from hunting that day. He smelled that red pottage, that chili that, that Jacob was over cooking on the stove. I could see him had it up on the pot bed of stove. He was stirring that pot, man. Steam coming off of it, he was bubbling and stuff. And all his spices in there, and he stirred it around. Esau come in with, "Whoa, what are you cooking, man? Man, that smells so good. Whoa, my my backbone's touching my belly. I'm so starving to death, man. They bumping." I gotta eat something now. I'm gonna die if I don't eat something soon, man. I'd do anything. You do anything? I'd give anything for a bowl of that chip. You'd give anything. Okay. And he traded his birthright. He traded his ability to lead his family spiritually. He he traded the ability to be the head of the whole household, the whole clan. He traded that away for one bowl of chili. I guarantee you that. When he was burping it up later, he thought, man, I made a bad deal. I made a bad deal. Think about the Israelites when they got out out in the, in the wandering in the desert. Over Numbers 11, they started hollering for quail, if you all remember that. Verses 18 through 20, and say unto the, thou unto the people, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Hear that? It was well with us in Egypt. Where are we going to get food out here? Therefore the Lord will give you flesh and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, neither twenty. But even a whole month until it come out at your nostrils. And it be loathsome to you because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? Man, I guarantee you they regretted asking for quail. 
And then we then we look at we look at a, a you know somebody like a, oh here's a character you don't ever hear about, but Adonijah. So who is Adonijah? That's David, um, and that's that's one of David's sons. That's his oldest son. Adonijah, and, and let me tell you, when David is David is uh, he's he's laying there and he's he's on his deathbed, and Agag the Shunammite woman, she's ministering to him, and 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 and, and Bathsheba comes in and she she kneels down before David. And she says she says Adonijah. She said, "Have you have you not have you not planned to make Solomon the king?" He said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, Adonijah, he's he's having a big." He's having a big barbecue. She didn't say that, but that's basically what he can do. He's, 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 he's invited all your men. He's invited everybody over. and he Well, he, uh, well let me just read it to you. First Kings 1-9. The Bible said, And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, which is by Enrogel, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. He brought them all in. He said, I'm the oldest one. I'm going to be the king. Let's all have a party now. Let's have a barbecue because daddy's going to be dead soon. I'll be king. Problem was, that ain't the way it worked out, was it? And when he found out that Solomon had been anointed king, because that's what David did, sent his mule and said, get him on it. Let's anoint him right now. And as soon as he heard that, they heard the ruckus going on with the hill. And they said, what's going on? They found out. And he ran into the he ran into the to the, to the temple and grabbed over the altar, the horns of the altar, and uh, or the tabernacle of the temple, but he grabbed the horns of the altar and he starts begging for mercy. David said, "All right, I'll spare you. They want to hurry your head fall as long as you do right." Next thing he did, he went to Solomon's mama Bathsheba. And he said, <clears throat> "After David died, and she said, I just want one thing, and I want you to ask Solomon because he won't deny you anything." He said, "I want Agag the Shunammite woman." I want her to be my wife, the one who took care of David when he was dying. And as soon as she came in there to him, she said, he said, he sent somebody, he said, go take him, get rid of him. And he fell on him and killed him. It didn't work out like he planned. He started out with a barbecue. Hey, we're going to, I'm going to do it my way. It's going to work out great, man. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it. I don't care what God planned. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take hold of this, and I'm going to do it my way. It never works right when you do things that way. And again, that's what Adam did. I don't make a difference. God said, don't eat it. I'm going to eat it. Never works out right when you do that. Bread and deceit is sweet. But you know what? The Bible said, afterward, his mouth shall be filled with gravel. So the sweetness of forbidden fruit is short-lived. And there ain't nothing sweet or pleasant about having a mouthful of gravel. If you've ever got dirt in your mouth, you know that. You're crunched out on some some gra- uh, gravel or dirt or sand or something. Get a mouthful of it. That's real fun. Especially you get sand on the beach in your mouth. Grit and grind. Ah, it's awful. Amen. I hate that. I hate that feeling. You know, and, and <clears throat> if we really want to live a life pleasurable to live and enjoy a pleasurable life, and when I say pleasurable, I don't mean carnal pleasure. I mean the way God intends for us to enjoy life. If we want that in a lasting, ultimate sense, then the only way for us to have that is through obedience to God. It's not in disobedience and doing it our way and going around what's right. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are the are, there are pleasures forevermore. It's not in our way. It's not in doing things our way. 
filled with gravel. It'll be bitter. It'll be harmful to last, like a mouthful of dirt or sand, which which offends your mouth and also offends your stomach. It ain't going to be no good chewing it up or swallowing it either one, getting what you really wanted. And it'll bring upon you the horrors of a guilty conscience and the wrath and the judgment of Almighty God. God ain't going to be satisfied with us doing it our way. He's going to he's going to bring his hey, he's going to he's going to bring his chastisement upon us when we try to go and do it our way. Verse 18. <clears throat> Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. <clears throat> Every purpose established by counsel. You know, it's a good thing. It's, there's wisdom in it when you and I can realize our limitations. You know, a person who doesn't realize their limitations, they get themselves in trouble. They try to handle everything, even things they don't know how to handle. And a lot of that comes down to pride. I don't want to. I don't want to admit that I don't know how to do something. I, you know, I, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. A lot of times we, we 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 waste so much time. We cost ourselves double, and we end up hurting ourselves trying to do it ourselves when we needed help to begin with, because we can't let somebody else help us, and we can't acquiesce to the fact that maybe. We do have a deficit or a weakness in our life. Men men have a hard time with that, but we really shouldn't be so stubborn and hard-headed about it. Um, you know, the Bible says every purpose established by counsel. And when we when our purposes are established by counsel and it leads to our plans being established in the sense of them coming to fulfillment. When we when we seek counsel along the way, we can look forward to things happening versus us wondering what to do or wondering if we're making the right choice, second-guessing ourselves over and over. When you got other people alongside you saying, hey, you're doing right, just keep going the course, stay the way you're going, it, it certainly encourages you and lifts you up to, to keep going. And, and you know, there's no telling how many plans have been swirling around somebody's mind and when, when God just, just wants them to go to somebody with some wisdom for counsel. If they just, if they just talk to somebody, all that quit swirling around, they get lined up and start, going, like I said, going in the right direction. If we'll put our plans in God's hands, then God will lead us to those who can help us bring those things to fruition. God wants to do lots with us, but, again, we ain't going to figure it all out by ourselves. We need, we need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need you need them. I need them. We all need brothers and sisters in Christ to to count on, to lean on, to help, to to talk with, to counsel with. All of us need that. Everybody does. Uh, and and the Bible said, "And with good advice, make war." So it just tells us that that wise counsel is even more important when there's a serious matter involved, when especially life and death matters, uh, like war or something like that. It, it, you know, good good advice. It says. And, and to use a spiritual analogy, we wage the spiritual warfare that we have to fight as believers only with the wise counsel of God's word and with the counsel of other believers. We're not to just set off trying to do something on our own. We need to, we need to look, listen to what God said. And y'all know what it says there, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord so we can't lean on ourselves. And in the power of his might, because listen, the devil will break you down emotionally. He'll break you down mentally. You can't lean on your own strength. You will fall if you do. He says, put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the that you that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, we need God's armor. I think about when David went when David was uh was going to go down and fight Goliath, and Saul was like, you know, put my armor on. Well, it wouldn't fit. He need he needed God's power. He didn't need man's armor. He needed God's armor. Uh, he needed what God God's protection. And and we need that's what we need. Listen. I, uh, the best intellectual education I have will not help me against the devil. Amen. I, I, I tell you, uh, the, the the strength I have, physical strength in this world, will not help me against the devil. I, I mean, I, I, the devil's older than me. He, he's, he's smarter than me. Listen, the only way I have any way of, of, of being victorious is if I do it in God's strength and in God's wisdom. I can't do it in mine, and I'm a fool to try. There's been a whole lot of people a whole lot smarter and stronger than me fell before I did. So I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to try to fight the devil. I'd rather let God do it. The Bible tells me to put on His armor that I can stand. It doesn't say that I'm supposed to that I'm supposed to whip Him. It just says that I'm supposed to stand against His wiles, His attack. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Again, our battle is not against people. We may get mad at people, but we ought not. We ought to realize the devil is using them to try to get to us. They're just somebody who got in the way, and the devil said, hey, they're not close to God. I think I'll use them to try to hurt you. Amen. We need to realize. Y'all hear me? We need to realize that. There's a whole lot less hurt people in this world if we'd realize that. He said, but here, our battles against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's Satan's, that's Satan's army. That's his, that's his workers. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, that's the that's the people he's working in. Amen. That's 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 again that's that's the the powers that be that are trying to to uh, darken this world. That's that's a lot of all that stuff. And I mean, I can go into that, but you ain't got time to hear all that tonight. <clears throat> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, not part of it, all of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, I thank God for verse 13. God used verse 13, February 2nd, 1996, when I surrendered to God. If, and I'm thankful for that verse of Scripture. God made me see that night very clearly that I couldn't do anything on my own, that I had been doing nothing but going astray, wandering from God and what he wanted for my life because I was trying to find things out and figure things out on my own. And I was chasing my tail. I was acting an idiot. And, and and I was I was being absolutely mowed over and defeated by the devil. And and when God when I saw that scripture that night, when God used that man on that television set that night and spoke this verse right here from the King James Bible to me, I, I know it was directed at me. I know God put that man on at that time. I know those things because there was no way in the world that TBN would have had a man speaking straight doctrine with a King James Bible that God hadn't intended for me to hear it because they never do any other time. But thank God that night somebody spoke some truth to me, and I heard it, and he said, listen, you've been laying down too long with the devil's crowd. It's time you stand. You've been, listen, there's so many Christians today, the devil just, he just, he just slays them day after day. They can't get up. They can't live for Jesus. He just, they, I mean, they, they don't look to God for strength. They keep trying to do it on their own, and day after day after day, the devil just slays them, and, and they just, they absolutely cannot live the Christian life, and others wonder, are they saved or not? Other Christians say, I don't know if they're saved or not, the way they live. But the fact of it is, they may be saved, but they're defeated every day because they're trying to do it in their strength with their wisdom. 
You have to let God have control. We've got we've got to we've got to let God lead us. We've got to trust in God's word. We can't do it the way we think it ought to be done. I ain't got time to finish that all down to verse eighteen. But my point is, you're never going to make it unless you're seeking to do it God's way. And with good advice, make war. So part of that verse there, that that little phrase, with good advice, make war. That may be the most ignored rule in the whole Bible because most of the wars that are undertaken are unjust wars. Most of them are wars of greed. Most of them are wars of power and, and control, and none of those things come from good counsel. Now, if a war is fought to protect the nation from an invading army, that's a that's a just war. But when we go and attack somebody else in order to take their resources, that ain't just. No. When you go to disrupt a region in order to overthrow it, in order to advance your own causes, that ain't just. Amen? But yet that's what happens in our world today. Uh, verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Um, we're talking about the gossip here. The one who loves to go and talk about other people. The man or the woman who's a talebearer or a gossip, they love to reveal things that, that probably should be concealed. You don't have to tell everything just because you know it. There are some things that 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 should be revealed, though. I'm not going to say everything should not be revealed because God tells us that some things should. Ephesians 5.11, for example, the Bible says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now, if if there's some evil going on that's threatening other people and they're... And they're uh, is threatening to harm uh, keep non-believers away from God, or is threatening to harm believers. We're, we're to we're to speak up and speak out and make it known and make it public and warn others. We're to be watchmen in that regard. But that's not really what this verse is addressing, because this is talking about just telling something on somebody because you know it. And you know the Bible tells us that a lot of things ought to be concealed out of love says that, 1 Peter 4, 8. It says, and above all, and above all things, have fervent charity. That means you really, really love one another. I mean, that's a, that's a hardcore love right there. I love you. Love you so much it wouldn't hurt you for anything. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. So, if 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 you really love somebody, you want to seek their good, right? You want to see them succeed. You want to see them uh, serving God and, and, and happy and healthy. You want to see them uh, living living the best life that they can for the Lord. Not their best life now, but the best life they can for the Lord, right? So if you see somebody fall down and really mess up and just horribly mess up, and then you could call her by church. Like, you know what I did? I found out so and so did. It's terrible. I can't believe it. Oh, it's horrible. Or you could just say, listen, let me help you. Let me pray for you right now. I pray for you. I want to help you. Listen, God, God forgive you. I, listen, I can, I can think back to a time in my life. This poor I was a preacher. But I can think back to a time in my life when I was, when I, was I struggled and fell down terrible. 
and and there was a guy who was with me, and I won't call his name because he struggled mightily too along the way. But at that time, he took me aside, and he counseled with me, and he reassured me, God loved me, that I'd messed up. Yeah, I fell down. I made a bad mistake. This was back in my 20s. So, I mean, but God, you know, God wasn't done with me. God still loved me. I was, I was, I was so distraught. I can't tell you how distraught I was through all this. And 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 this this brother helped me. And like I said, he struggled, fell down since then, and I don't even know where he's at now. But I know at that moment in time, God used him. He could have he could have made my life so much worse. But instead, he 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 saw me as vulnerable and down, and he loved me and lifted me up from where I was. And I thank God for that guy. Even though even though his whole life ain't been a pretty picture, at that moment he let God use it. And I thank God for that. Uh, you know, again, we need to be careful how we handle a situation when somebody messes up. And, and it's important for us to care about them and consider. If I was in that situation and I fell down, would I want somebody stepping on me and wiping their feet on me or would I want them to stick their hand out and help me up and brush brush me off? and encourage me to, to to get forgiveness and keep going. I, that's what I'd want. And, and, and wisdom will teach you which, which approach is appropriate in each situation. Because, again, every situation is different because people are different. And so God tells us in the second half of this verse, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. He's given us some pretty good advice there because the person who, who flatters with their lips Will, will often speak against you as quickly as they speak for you. The one, I mean, somebody will brag on you all the time, pat you on the back all the time, watch them. Because, again, they'll go talk about you to somebody. I have somebody in my family like that. Ain't going to tell you who it is. Ain't nobody close, but I have somebody in my family like that. All my life, if they're around you, they'll talk you up, brag on you, make you feel like you're something else. And then they'll turn around and, and talk to somebody else in the family and tear you down. And build them up. It's called, I want the best of you right now, so I'll butter you up in order so that you'll be nice to me. That's the way they deal with people. Again, that ain't honest in the way you treat people. Again, that, that, that's being a false person. And, and again, that's what God is telling us not to be. God, God's telling, warning us from being around those kind of people. It's, he's warning us to stay away from those kind of people. You know, I grew up with a stepmother that owned a beauty shop. So I spent an inordinate amount of time in a beauty shop. And you know what I learned in a beauty shop? A lot of bad secrets about people, to be honest with you. That's what I learned. I didn't know half of them, but I heard some terrible things about people being in that beauty shop all day. Uh, there was no shortage of gossip. And being a man, I spent a considerable amount of time in a barber shop. And uh, it's just as bad. Because you get one fella in there, well, he won't talk about everybody. And it's sitting tell, talk about everybody all day long. And he knows all the news and gossip he's heard. You know, again, one common thread runs through both things. Anytime you get a group of people together, somebody's going to start talking about other people behind their back. That's just the way it goes. You get a big enough group together. And we're wise if we don't do that. All right? Verse 20. we got to hurry. We're going to get through this tonight. We're going to make it, though. Verse 20. Whoso curses his father and or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Now, the Bible commands us to do what? To honor our father and our mother. 
That's what it said in Exodus 20, verse 12. So to curse your parents is to do just the opposite of this command, all right? And that, and that ain't a good thing, to do the opposite of what God told you to do. And the Bible says if you do that, so versus, versus what he said in Exodus, in Exodus 20, 12, he says if you honor your father and mother, your days may be long upon the earth, which uh, thy, thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He said if you honor them, it may be that you live a long life. But he says the opposite. He says if you curse them, your lamp will be put out in obscure darkness. So, that don't sound good. Ephesians 6, 2 says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So if you honor your father and mother, God promises you, he promises you uh, a longer life. So, again, there's, there's a corresponding principle with those who disobey and curse their father or mother, uh, uh, probably going to live a shorter life and also going to face the judgment of God in doing so because God told them not to do that. So, again, if it's a believer who turns on their father and mother, which I can't hardly picture that, but if it's a believer, God's going to chastise that person. If it's a non-believer, God, they're, going to, they're going to face the wrath of God on account of it. Verse 21. I told you where it get done. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. <clears throat> I said something about this a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about a young man when I was selling the insurance who his mother was his mother was dying with cancer, and a couple of weeks later I went back and visited the house again. No, I was out, I was, no, I was soul winning is what it was. Uh, me and me and uh, Hugh King were, were knocking doors on 25th Street. That's what it was. Yeah, we, we visited her, and she was very ill with cancer, and she asked us to pray for her, and we made a second visit where she had passed away. And when we got there, you could hear the loud rock music blaring in there. And that kid had all his friends over there, and they were doping it up and having a big time on that insurance money that Mom left behind in the house that she left behind. Again, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. So most of the time when we get too much too soon, it ain't a good thing. doesn't work out very well most of the time. So an, a large inheritance that comes quickly and early on in life is a dangerous blessing. It may be may, may be looked at as a blessing, but it's a very dangerous one. Uh, you know, these kinds of inheritances, they're usually short-lived. It don't usually, money is usually gone before you know it because God's blessing is not in those things. And the reason, is, the reason I say God's blessing is not in those things is because they didn't produce that. They had nothing to do with that. And when when you give a young person a bunch of money that they didn't have any uh, participation in producing, it oftentimes leads them to laziness. They say, well, I ain't got to work. I ain't got to do nothing now. I'm just going to just party now. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to get all my friends over, and we're going to live it up because we got all this money. And it leads to pride. They begin to think they're somebody because they got a big bank account. And it leads to monkey business. So they start doing things they shouldn't be doing with all that money they got, amen, which leads to just purity wickedness. When you got unrestrained access and a pea brain, you're going to wind up in trouble. Simple as that. Uh, and, and the implication of this is what is quickly gained is, is, is usually going to be quickly gone. <laughs> And, uh, you know, 
that you can see you consider the prodigal son for a second. What he do? Give me all that falls unto me. What did he do? He spent it all on righteous living. Couldn't handle it. I mean, he had a fortune, and yet it was gone in no time. You know, Proverbs nineteen twenty six says, "He that wasteth." His father. We saw this one in our last chapter. He that wasteth his father. Again, we talked about the kid that's always in trouble. Dad's always constantly having to bail him out of jail. He's having to pay for his mistakes. Well, he tore that pickup truck up, having to pay for that. Well, he 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 he, he stole from somebody. I got to pay that guy restitution back. I mean, it's just like one thing after another, paying fines, paying paying court costs. This that. Other. Pretty soon, Daddy ain't got nothing. He's broke. He's wasted his entire father's living on what? His foolishness. And the Bible said, and chased away his mother. That's a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. So again, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the second half says, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. And that's 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 too bad. often how it ends when somebody gains too much too soon that they didn't plan nor work for. When they when they get large amounts and they don't have to do anything to get it, it can end in a curse instead of a blessing. Easy money does not make a person financially responsible. If you wake up tomorrow and there's a million dollars in your bank account, that does not make you a financially responsible person. It will reveal your character is what it will do or your lack thereof. Amen. That's why so many people, they win the lottery and their life just goes down the drain. They had no idea how to handle that kind of money. They had no idea how to handle the taxes, how to handle all the people who want something besides their own greed. Like I said, it can can often be a curse instead of a blessing. And, uh, And those who have gained wealth slowly, you work for it. You build it day after day, month after month, year after year. You know a whole lot better how to keep it because you've earned it and you've, and you've taken care of it. You've invested it. You've put it in places where it's going to grow. So, again, it's, a night, it's night and day from somebody that just gets handed a chunk of something. It's never, it never works out good. Uh, and I'll tell you something. That's why I often frown on somebody when I hear that, that, uh, that a church or a man's pastored for, say, 40, 50 years, they put his son as the pastor, I always think to myself, that ain't going to work. That son didn't build that church. That daddy did. Now son's getting to take over something that daddy built. And he ain't gonna, he's not going to be the kind of pastor his daddy was. He's not going to love it and care for it the way his daddy did. And that ain't the way it's supposed to be done anyway. Church supposed to call somebody. They're not supposed to point somebody. Anyway, I'm, I don't mean to go down that road. But anyway, last verse. Verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. So this is all about revenge and getting revenge or not getting revenge. And he says that we're not to say it. I'll recompense evil. We're not to say, I'm going to pay that sucker back for what he did to me. He's going to pay, man. That's what your flesh wants to say. Your flesh wants to, blood wants to boil and your fist wants to clench and your jaws want to tighten and you want to flare with anger and your eyes get blood red. You want to go tear somebody in pieces what they did to you. God says, don't you dare. Don't you dare. The wise man or woman wouldn't say that. I'm going to pay them back. That, the wise person doesn't do that. Wisdom and obedience to God teach us that vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to us, to the Lord. Romans 12:19. 
Paul said, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. It ain't your job. You're stepping in doing something that wasn't yours to begin with. He said, but rather give place unto wrath. Let it go. Let it go. Let it. You say, I'm mad. Well, just be mad for a minute, but let it go. All right? He said, for it is written, vengeance is mine. When God sees somebody hurts you, you're his child. Consider that for just a second. I can assure you, if I see some teenager kick my dog, if I see some grown person abuse my daughter, I can assure you I am going to be quick to let them know I've seen it and get all this in their business now. Am I going to retaliate and start punching them out and everything? I don't know, brother. I might. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Yes, I depends on how bad they hurt. Now, I'll take up for somebody. That's one thing. But look here. If, they, if somebody starts hurting my children, if somebody starts hurting one of my friends, you better believe it. I'll jump on them like a, like a dog on a bone okay, and, and won't think twice. You say, that's vengeance. No, that's that's me helping somebody else. But if somebody hurts me and I turn around and begin to pummel them, that's a whole different matter. See, it's not my job. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to take it. Say, so why why would you take it? Because God says, I see it. I see what happened. God knows where they live. God knows where their billfold is. God knows where their health lies. God knows everything in their life. God knows where it would hurt the worst. And God is more than able to get their attention and use it in order to bring them to repentance instead of bring them to to destruction or to anger. God will do it right. God will handle it best. You know, again, nobody else but God is fit to handle it. I'm closing with this thought tonight, so take this in. Nobody else is fit to do it but God. Why? Because God is omniscient, and our knowledge is partial at best. And God's judgment is perfect. Ours would be imperfect. His is perfect. We're blinded by our prejudices and our desire to hurt somebody. God will do it right. The Bible says, second half, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. He said, I'm going to take you don't, you're not trusting God. You're not willing to let God do his job. You're not willing to let God be God. You're trying to be God in his place if you want to handle it yourself. Wait. I can't wait. You better wait. God said wait. Obey the Lord and let him handle it. Wait on the Lord and he shall say. Wisdom teaches us to rely on God and trust him to pay, pay it back. And that doesn't mean that, that, that wisdom is unconcerned or, or uncaring toward evil and never opposes it. Of course not. But it means that wisdom recognizes that there are many times, more than we care to think probably, when we ought to let go of any kind of payback toward evil and wait on the Lord and let him save us, because God will. If we'll just trust him. When I say wait on the Lord, I'm, I don't mean just, just sit back and say, well, maybe he'll fix it. I mean go to him and tell him, Lord, I need you to fix this. Lord, I need your help. Lord, please avenge me of my enemies. Pray. Hit, it, hit your knees and cry to him constantly. God, fix this. Help me. Lord, do it. You take care of it. I'm being
turn it over to God. All your problems tonight, all those things you can't do nothing with, let God have it, and God will fix it. That's the kind of God we have. Amen. Let's stand together. I hope you have a good week this week. hope the Lord uses you in some manner to be a blessing in somebody else's life. This is my favorite month of the year. Got my favorite holiday in it. Amen. We ought to be a thankful people. Let's start this month off right. And I know, I know people say, what's well, a month of thankfulness? We ought, to, we ought to mention all the things we're thankful for all month long. We ought to do it all the time. We ought not do it just in the month of November. But being Thanksgiving is in November, it ought to spur us to be thankful, to look around and realize I wouldn't have all this if it weren't for God. I wouldn't have the people in my life I have if it weren't for God. The blessings I have, they're God's blessings. And we ought to appreciate them and thank God for all the things he's done. Thank God for your church. Thank God for those you go to church with. Thank God for the Bible you have. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And, and while you're being thankful, share it with other people. Amen. Do you know when you when you start talking about all the things God's done for you, do you know that makes other people look and say, well, what's God done for me? Let's be thankful. Amen. Any thoughts from anybody before we go to the house? All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and be dismissed. Richard, dismiss us tonight. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.